Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that you have taken our sin away. That you have not left us like orphans. That you rose and rose with our infirmities and rose with every challenge and conquered death on our behalf. Father, we cannot thank you enough. Open our eyes this morning, Lord, to see the deeper meaning of your death and resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're happy to be in the house of the Lord, do something once again for Jesus. Not for me, but for Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to begin by wishing every one of us a very happy Easter. You know, I get very excited whenever it is Easter. Very, very excited. Because, in fact, for too many reasons. One is that there is no other time like Easter. And one is that it reminds me that indeed Jesus left his throne where he is king. And he came here and suffered like mortal man and died. And on the third day, while they were still waiting and weeping, he rose again. What great story. Hallelujah. Easter reminds me about the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Easter reminds me about restoration concerning all that we have lost. Easter tells me that there is a resurrection even for those who have gone before us. That there is also a changing for those of us who remain when he returns. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Easter also reminds me of the need for us to prepare to meet our God. Praise the Lord. You know, our topic this morning says Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Jesus told Mary and Martha. He said, look, I am the resurrection and the life. And while he was saying that to them, they were thinking that he was talking about the future resurrection. The one that we are also awaiting. They did not know. They did not understand that he was saying, look, I am the resurrection. I'm already here. That those who had died will arise and live again. Because I am here. And those who have not died will ascend. They will remain and they will never die. Praise the Lord. Now let's consider Easter. You know, we, we really cannot understand everything about the death and resurrection of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will help us. The death and resurrection of Jesus happens to be... <laughs> they happen to be two events 
actually two in one event. That the whole world, the atheists and their cohorts, day in, day out, they keep making efforts, pumping billions of dollars into convincing people, publishing papers, books, just to convince the world, to tell the world, not to convince them, but to deceive the people that Jesus did not die. Not to talk of Jesus resurrecting. And do you even know the latest? One literature I was reading recently. Is that currently there is even a move. Some people are already even saying that Jesus did not even exist. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Of course, but the popular one is that, okay, he existed, but he didn't die. Neither did he resurrect. I have an advice for us this morning. As I was preparing for this message, the Lord ministered to me. He said, look, tell your people, each one of you should take a copy of the Holy Bible and go and tuck it away somewhere. Go and do what? Tuck it away somewhere. You know, and I was thinking, ah, but Jesus who will soon come, what is the need of... Th-? Because if Jesus tarries, I tell you the truth, a time will come when the story of the resurrection will no longer be in the Bibles that you will find around. Take a King James Version <laughs> and go and tuck it away somewhere. You might say, well, it's already on the internet. Now you get the internet. They put it today, tomorrow they modify it. The Bible has already seen a lot of modifications. You and I already know that. And they are working assiduously to ensure that you and I cease to believe the resurrection story. They commonly will agree that, okay, Jesus was born. Yes, he was born. He was born. And they say, okay, the date BC, they use that to say, um, you know, from the time of Christ. I used to think as a child that AD meant after death. Only for me to realize that AD meant anno domino, meaning, is a Latin word, meaning in the year of our Lord. In other words, while from the time that he was living, no record of the time he died. Praise the Lord. It is very easy for them to quote and to tell us that Jesus turned water into wine so that they can go on and begin to drink and tell you that he turned water into wine. And that that wine was alcohol. They know that much and they believe that. And the men will say, women, wife, my wife, remember that the Bible says, submit. You know, when you are counseling couples and the moment you tell them about, you bring about the issue of submission, the men get excited. They lighten up. It's so easy for them to believe this, for us to believe this. It's in the Bible. But the story of the death and resurrection is also there. But they will not believe. The world will also not have you believe it. But you know what? Whether you believe 
or they believe or they don't. It is true. They will even tell you, yes, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Therefore, when I give bribe, I mean, I am giving to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. They turn the scripture upside down. And the children will tell their fathers. Remember, the Bible says, do not provoke me. Fathers, do not provoke me. But how often have you said to somebody, remember, Jesus died for you? But I used to wonder, really, why it is that Jesus had to die. I have often wondered, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, was there no other way around it? And then I found in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. It says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And I said, okay. But again, did Jesus have to die for his blood to be shed? What of those nails on his hands? He must have bled. Couldn't that blood have been enough? Platoon for our sins. And remember, animals had been sacrificed. But we know that from scripture, that the blood of animals, of bulls, they were just able to cover sin, as we heard during the Good Friday message. But wasn't the blood of Jesus the ones that dropped from his wounds, were they not sufficient? And I found another scripture. And you know, scripture says that the soul that sins shall do what? That the soul that sins shall die. Praise the Lord. And I also found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 23. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so if the wages of sin is death, <laughs> just Jesus bleeding would not have been sufficient. The enemy would be saying, well, but I mean, nobody died. Nobody died. And so Jesus had to die in our place. Because the wages for the sins that we committed is death. Jesus gave his life for us. He had to pay the price. He had to die. Not just ordinarily, but on the cross. Painful death. On the cross, like a common criminal. You know, in developed societies these days, if somebody is sentenced to death, 
sometimes they give the person an option. Would you want to die executively or the other way? Just the gas chamber or you just want to sleep. They just give you an injury. Just sleep off and go. (laughs) But Jesus didn't die executively. He died in pain. You know, my daughter was asking me something on Friday. She said, but daddy, why is it that Jesus died for our sins? Why are people still sinning? She said, hey. If it is an adult, the answer is very straightforward and easy. You know, the nature of man is to sin. You know? But for her, it was difficult to explain it. But I made some efforts. Praise the Lord. Scripture says in Romans 3.25 that Jesus had to die. And he became the propitiation for our sin. In other words, he became the atonement. He became the sacrifice. You know, it is not coincidence that Easter, that the time that Jesus died coincided with the time that um, uh, uh, the Jews' Passover feast holds. It's not coincidence. It's because he is the Passover lamb. So that when, G, when God the Father sees the blood, as he told them in Egypt, he will pass over us. Praise the Lord. And so it was very good that Jesus died. And that is why we say Good Friday. Unfortunately, The people of God, unfortunately, many people still do not believe that Jesus died, not to talk of dying for them. And unfortunately, after Jesus died, you know what happened? Just like the Lord was speaking to us this morning through words of prophecy. Many people who were his followers became afraid And they went into hiding. And the enemy came out. They were on the streets. They were rejoicing. He had died. They were rejoicing. And nobody expected the resurrection. Not even the disciples of Jesus. Yet, Ezekiel had seen it in a vision very many years before. That dry bones will live again. He saw it. That wombs that had never conceived children will conceive. He saw it. That sicknesses that are incurable in the parlance of men will be cured. He saw it. That poverty that is irredeemable will be redeemed. Yet, the disciples of Jesus did not see it coming. But Jesus had severally told them. He had prophesied about it. 
Both in the Old Testament it was prophesied. Jesus spoke about it on several occasions. And on one occasion, when he was speaking about it, Peter even rebuked him and said, Master, stop talking about this. Please, let's read that scripture. We'll find it in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. You know, and be killed and be raised again the third day, he was telling them. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Imagine, no, rebuking the master. He began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Did he know what he was saying? That Jesus should not die. That he should not say that he will resurrect. That was what Peter was practically saying. And Jesus said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou severest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter wanted to stop the finished work of salvation. They were not expectant. You know, there's a story that Jesus, there's a, a parable that Jesus told. I'm not sure again whether it was a... It was a parable in Luke chapter 18. Jesus was telling his disciples about the woman who goes to the judge all the time to say, Vindicate me against my adversaries. Set me free from my adversaries. And she continued to ask and ask and ask. Until eventually, the judge listened to her and granted her petition. And so Jesus now said, Look, that the problem is not whether the answer will come or has come. And the problem is when the answer is coming, will you still be found waiting in faith? You have been praying for one particular thing. Are you prepared to meet the Lord when he comes with the response to those things you have been praying for? You know, it was possible for them to slightly, the disciples, accept, okay, well, since Jesus was born, well, he will die. He will, one day he will die. Especially because they also had in their midst Dr. Luke. You know, Dr. Luke also reported that Jesus, you know how doctors write, when somebody dies, they write, death from... Luke reported that Jesus died from crucifixion. 
in Luke 24 verse 20. He reported it and we are reading it today. And you know, when Luke makes that report, because he's a doctor, I pay particular attention to it. Because he understands what it means. He understands that there was no pause anymore for three days. He understands very well that, look, there were no popular reflexes. The eyes were dilated. They were fixed. No response. He understands that there was no respiration. No heartbeat. He understands that very well. But he didn't understand, therefore, that it is possible for this same person, this same Jesus, to arise. Resurrection was not in the equation for them. But in God's equation, from the beginning of time, it had always been there. And so when Jesus died and lay in the grave, you remember the song we just sang before? The hymn for some, I mean, the song we sang as the hymn for someone. The mockers came and they were saying to those who were following Jesus, Okwa Jesus, you know, I formed a small song here. And we can ask here, and you have no money, no job in sight. But suddenly, Hallelujah, brethren. The tomb is empty. It is not in doubt whether the tomb is empty or not. Even those who did not believe in the resurrection and who still do not believe, they all agree that the tomb was found empty. That's not the question, whether it was empty or not. No, they taste, they know that if you go to the tomb of the other people, you know, you will see, you know, signs of skeletons and so on, remains, fossils, whatever. But they know that the tomb of Jesus was empty. Praise the Lord. And today they still don't want us to believe that he arose. Matthew 28, 14 and 15. They conspired. Just listen to what they said. And if this come to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure you. We're speaking to the soldiers. So they took money and did as they were taught. Saying that the disciples of Jesus, I'm paraphrasing, took or stole his body. And he says there, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews and amongst us even until this day. How can you hear that they stole his body? But I have a few questions for us. How could that be that the body was stolen? When it was prophesied 
that it will happen, that he will resurrect. And so they were prepared. They had guards centered, waiting. They had a seal on it. There was a big stone, according to the record of Mark. There was a big stone covering the entrance to the tomb. A stone that research has shown that at least 20 people should be able to move away. Meanwhile, the disciples of Jesus were not in sight. They were all hiding. And you know, the linen with which Jesus' body was wrapped was lying there. So if they stole his body, why would they steal his body naked? So how they go to And it's not just that the, the linen was there. It was there in the form of a human body. The Bible says that he arose. I don't know what you are saying. I know that he arose. I am sure that he arose. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 8, Paul begins to tell us about those who saw Jesus after he arose. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He wasn't quoting science. He was quoting scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he, has, he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained even at the time that Paul was writing. And Paul also says that he also saw him. Are you still in doubt? <laughs> Are you still in doubt? <laughs> Ask God to just give you a personal experience. If you have a personal experience, you know, there's nothing that anybody will tell you. Nothing else that anybody will tell you that you would want to hear. You know, I've once talked about it here before. How it was that my own personal experience. Sometimes, you know, people are not in the, people don't easily tell you about their medical history. Because when they do, you begin to look at them like, hey, uh, oh yeah, how am you? But I say it because when you don't say it, people don't even believe that these things happen. And interestingly, my mother is here today. I was born with a hole in the heart. Let me say it in the layman's way. The medical people understand what that means. From birth, there was no hope. In fact, the doctors said their diagnosis was failure to thrive, secondary to hole in the heart. Failure to thrive means that he's six years, but he looks like a child who is one year old. That's what it means. And three times I was taken into the theater in the den, in, in UNTH of that time. And each time they go in, they'll say, um, we really don't have this. We really, let's postpone the surgery. Three times it was postponed. And it never held in that place. You know, you cannot suddenly come and tell Lazarus, 
and Mary and Martha that the resurrection story is fake. You can't tell them that. Neither can you tell me that. Lazarus was dead for four days. But I was dead for six years. Six years. If you know what death is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Failure to thrive. You know, then, my mother used to say that when I, I, I'm playing with my younger brother and he kicks the ball towards me, I will not be able to kick the ball back to him. And the next thing is, my, my younger brother will come and start beating my head. Why won't you kick the ball back to me? And I will start crying. <laughs> hey. Christ is risen. I don't know what challenge it is that you have that you think is impossible for God to restore you from. You know, in my second, I don't say this all the time because in my secondary school days, the moment they, I was in the boarding school, so the moment they saw the mark on my chest, then they went and told my games master. I was a very good footballer, but they told him, don't let him play again, he will die on the pitch. And I suffered because, I mean, by now I would have been making money from football, perhaps. <laughs> but they never allowed me to play because they, they said he was going to die on the pitch until I went to the university and I lived alone. So this time, I could play football like I wanted. Praise the Lord. To God be all the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who healed his life and atonement for sin. And opened the life gates that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great he has done. You know, recently, the South African government, they were planning on, 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 on making a law that says that once you, have been, once, once you have been found guilty of a criminal act in the past, you will not be allowed to practice as a pastor. I don't know if they have passed that into law. But when I heard that, resurrection. I wondered. Didn't they ask Lazarus what happened after he arose? <laughs> after Jesus raised him up. Scripture said he went about preaching. Telling them about Jesus. Doing wonders in the name of Jesus. You know, one interesting thing about that story 
is that, like I said earlier, Mary and Martha, they knew about the coming resurrection, the future resurrection. But they did not know about the immediate resurrection that is also possible. They didn't know. And so when Jesus was telling them, and you know, Jesus must have been one, these people, after they have learned at my feet several times, I am the resurrection and the life. I say, hey, I am, 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 I am the resurrection and the, only why I say, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, no. And the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you this morning, and he's saying, that for which you ask me, I will restore this morning. Because the three days are past. The three days of being in the grave are gone. But again, Jesus did not dispute the fact. In fact, he spoke about it severally. That truly there is a coming resurrection. The one that we are also awaiting. He didn't say they were wrong. They were not wrong. But at that moment, that was not what he was talking about. And that account reminds me and keeps reminding us, just like we read in the epistle, that there is a hope for the future. And that Jesus died and resurrected. Therefore, we, we will also be resurrected. We will also be changed. And that indeed is the faith of the Christian church. The hope of the Christian church. That's why we read it, or we say it all the time. During the Nicene Creed, we say it. During the Apostles' Creed, Anagia. So any Christian who does not really have that in his, Jesus, Because that is the very foundation, the rock of our faith, the rock of our hope. Interestingly, I also found, as we begin to round off, something very interesting. John chapter 5, 28 to 29. That it is not only we who are Christians, who are born again, that will arise. It's not only we. That even the evildoers, will also resurrect. John chapter 5, 28, 29. Let's see what kind of resurrection this will be. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice. Jesus is the one speaking. Yes. And come out. Those who have done good those who have done good will rise to live. They will rise to live. And those who have done evil and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. Will rise to be condemned. On which side will you be raised to? Will you be resurrected to? On which side? Or if Jesus suddenly comes today and we are still living, are you rapture ready? Or will you rather remain and be tormented by the Antichrist? And be singing, oh no, oh no, had I known. 
Are you rapture ready? Let us pray. Just begin now to consider what the Lord has done for you. I know what he did for me. I don't know if you know what he has done for you. Just consider it. That he came and died that you may live, that you may have life. Consider the words of that song. It says, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given to me? Jesus gave his life for us. And he's asking us today, he says, what have you given to me? What service have you rendered? Have you given your own life back to me to take charge of? Today is yet another day, another privilege. When Peter preached about the resurrection of Jesus on the Pentecost day, Scripture says thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus. Will you give your life to Jesus this morning and begin to experience the very power of his resurrection? I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? And he says, I spent long years for thee in weariness, in suffering, and woe. What hast thou spent for me? What have you spent for the Lord Jesus? He left his home of light. He left his throne. What have you left for him? Talk to the Lord at this time. Make a promise to the Lord this morning. Rededicate your life even to Him this morning. Give your life to Him this morning. Tell Him of the things that you will spend for Him. Considering what He spent for you. The long years He spent for you in pain. He suffered much for you and I. What have you borne for him? He brought salvation free. Very free. 
what have you brought to him? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, because you have spoken to us once again in diverse ways. You have reminded us once again, Lord, that your death and your resurrection are the basis for which we are called Christians. Paul says that if our hope just rests on the things that happen on this world, on the things that we talk about in this world, that we are indeed of all men most miserable. Thank you, Lord, because we are not miserable men. We are not miserable women, neither are we miserable young people and children. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the restoration that you have brought in our lives. Thank you for healing. Thank you for provision. Thank you, Lord, for all the good things, O oh God, that have come from you. Receive us, O oh Lord, as we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.